if you're serving somebody truly with your whole heart, it's going to lead to, yes, some ups and downs, of course. But when you have that mindset, there's not really a success or failure. It's just a, hey, am I doing well today to serve the people that I'm crossing paths with? What's up, everyone, and welcome to Studying Failure. I am your host, John Egan, and my goal is to normalize the conversation of failure. I want to help you realize three things. One, you're not alone in your failures. Two, your failure is not final. And three, your failures do not define you. Each week, I'll bring out some incredible guests that will not only share their failures and their journeys, but will also give extremely practical advice on how to change the way you view your failures, setbacks, and adversity. As you can tell from the opening clip, this episode is all about giving value and serving people, as that is what Alex's mission in life is all about. At the start of the episode, we talk about how Alex had originally wanted to be on the success list of 30 under 30, but then his failed real estate business caused him to have a major, major shift in his life. We also talk about a question that he asks himself every single day. He says, Alex, were you a person of value or a person of profit today? And, and I love that question. We also talk about the importance of reflection and Alex shares some reflection hacks that he has used to help improve himself on the daily basis. And he shares one tip, one trick to learn how to change your lens to see failure as an opportunity rather than seeing failure as this terrible, awful, no good thing that has happened to you. Guys, this episode was personally one of my favorites because of the amount of value that Alex shared. So make sure you take a screenshot of the episode, tag both Alex and myself, and then send it over to one friend, letting them know just the amount of value that is in this episode. So guys, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Alex Sanfilippo. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Studying Failure Today, we are hanging out with the host of the wildly successful Top 20 Entrepreneurship Podcast, Mr. Alex Sanfilippo. His podcast, Creating a Brand, shares actionable content from successful leaders and subject matter experts on topics that help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. As no stranger to failure, Alex has had multiple failed business ideas, but what separates Alex is that he knows how to use his failures to his advantage. Alex has a passion for entrepreneurship and adding value to your life and business through his podcast, blog, masterclass, and upcoming book. So Alex, thanks for jumping on, man. Today is going to be valuable, dude. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, John, I'm so excited to be here, man. I'm actually a listener of your podcast. So uh, that makes it even more exciting for me to actually be able to... to, to I'm not going to listen to that episode, by the way, whenever I come on. But to be able to be on a podcast I listen to is always a huge blessing, man. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for that great introduction. Absolutely, man. Like I tell, uh, I, I've told some people before, you make the introduction, man. That introduction is all you. It just all, all I have to do is just put it on paper and then read it. So all, <laughs> hats off to you, brother. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, 
we connected a couple weeks ago and we were talking and you're like, yeah, like I've had this failed idea. I started a real estate investing business and that failed. And then I've, you know, had multiple failures and trying to start up my own business and this and this and this and this. But the thing is that separates you, brother, like we talked about in the beginning, is that like, you know how to use it and you know how to push through it, man. So mm -hmm. talk to me, just kind of, we can kind of give a broad overview and then we can kind of go into more detail. But like even starting with that real estate investing business that you failed and then, cause that was what, 2006, 14, yeah. 15 years ago? Yeah, it was it was a while ago, man. Thanks for dating me there. I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, old hat no, over it, here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like talk to me, dude, about that and then kind of working your way through those other failures of, of trying to start a business and then failing, starting a business and then failing. Talk talk me through that journey, man. Yeah. So at a very young age, even before I got into real estate, I realized that entrepreneurship was kind of just in my blood. Like my, my father was an entrepreneur and it was just something that even when I was a kid, like selling lemonade in the side of the street and then selling golf balls to golfers. Like those were things that were really fun for me. Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to get into business. At a young age, I started actually creating virtual tours of homes before that was a thing. I had, a, I had an entire staff working on that. And as soon as I got 18, like that day, I already knew that I wanted to get into investing in real estate because like I had been looking at them for so long, like after doing kind of like an old school tech startup, if you will. Sure. And uh, so I was, I was excited to get into it. Now, it was really unfortunate timing because when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, that's when the economy took that big, I mean, we hit that big recession, right? Oof, like it was yeah. rough, man. And here's the thing. Some people like hindsight's 2020, of course, because now you can look back and be like, oh, anyone could have called that. As an 18, 19 year old kid, like I had no idea. And most people, yeah. if you're watching TV, they were saying it's going up, 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 keep on going, sure. keep on investing. And I remember at that age, I saw a, I think it was Forbes, 30 under 30 or something like that. I, I don't know mm -hmm. what they call it now. Basically, it's the most successful people under the age of 30. And I remember one day being like in a, at a dentist probably and seeing that magazine, picking it up and being like, I want my face to be on the cover of this magazine and I want to be on this top 30 under 30 and I'm going to get there and real estate is going to be my vehicle because that's that's the vehicle I'm in right now. Sure. And so I just started doing some investments and I didn't have a ton of properties when, when the economy wrecked or anything like that, but I, I was doing well enough that I could see that, you know what, by 30 at this pace, I'm going to be doing exceptionally well. Uh -huh. And... Uh, then the rest is history. We know what happened from there. The, the, the yeah. economy tanked and Jeez. it just, it put me way upside down. I ended up moving into one of my rental properties that I couldn't, couldn't do anything with. So I went from very successful for my age. And like I say, like one of the most successful, but successful for my age to uh -huh. the most in debt person I'd ever met in my life. You know, so like Whoa, it was a big, yeah. a big flip. Now yeah. like, I probably had people that were doing way worse that were like heavily invested with 10, 20 and 30 properties. That would be totally different. But for me with even just a few it was, it was scary, man. Like it was one uh -huh. of those things I was like, that vision is now gone. Instead of saying I'm gonna be in the top 30 or over and under 30. Now my new focus is how do I actually get myself out of this terrible hole that I'm in? It's going to take <laughs> 10 plus years to, to do this at the very least. And right. uh, that was kind of the start of everything, man. But like, uh, that was a tough time. What did that do to you at 18, 19, 20? What did that do to you mentally? Because I feel as if there's this tricky line where that could have really sent you over the edge and really, man, just really tanked your spirits and be like, man, this isn't for me, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's a really, really, that's a delicate age, dude, to mm -hmm. fail yeah. that hard. What did that do to you mentally? Yeah. You know, delicate is the right, right word to use. At that point, I didn't really have my identity and anything correct. 
I more so had it in the businessman that I could become or being yeah. on that list of top 30 under 30. Like that's what my identity was wrapped up in, uh-huh. was becoming that thing, like saying, okay, I can somehow get to, to this level. And uh, man, it shattered because when that foundation got destroyed, then my identity got destroyed mm-hmm. that moment as well. And man, it took, mm-hmm. a, it took a bad turn. Like I, I wasn't necessarily heavily drinking or into drugs or anything else like that. I just internally was really destroyed. Like I was completely broken at that point. Sure. Sure. And how long of a time period was that for you? Was that like, you know, for a couple of years, you were just man in the pits of it? Or are you like six, a year, six months, a year in, you're like, okay, like I'm picking myself back up. What was that time period like for you? Yeah, it was probably closer to a year. I don't know the exact time, but I, I know that it was just, just under a year, I'd say. And it was mm-hmm. the real change that happened was because one day, um, I got something in the mail. It was like a mailer. Like people used to send stuff to people in the mail. Like anyway, I, I looked at it. It was for a church and I hadn't been to a church in a few years. And I grew up going to church and things like that. But since I've been on my own and really focused on the business side of things, I was focused on that. Right. But I saw it and I yeah. recognized the address. I was like, that's literally like three minutes from where I live. I'm like, it must be like in a warehouse or something like that. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, cause there's no church buildings around here. But anyway, it ended up, yes, it was like in a warehouse building just outside the neighborhoods. Uh-huh. And um, I ended up showing up and I kind of showed up with that defeated mindset because the people I was hanging out with, because I wanted to be that highly successful from a monetary perspective individual, they were people like mm-hmm. that. And when I was no longer heading that direction and some of them weren't anymore, you saw how shallow a financially based friendship is. And interesting. And that really, you know, so for me, I walked into this building kind of like these people were going to find out I'm poor or that I'm in debt or like, you know, not being successful along the way in my journey. And uh, yeah, it was the exact opposite. I found people really just love me for who I was. And at that point, I rediscovered uh, my identity, if you will. I really discovered that instead of it just being in the monetary success that I wanted, instead, it became more of a life of service. And how can I love and serve other people exactly where they are, whoever they are, whatever they believe, none of that really mattered anymore. And obviously, I told you that story in less than like a minute and a half there. But that was that was some some shifting happening internally over a couple of years, right? Uh I would say within that first Uh year, I really had that paradigm shift that began changing me. And it was a couple years after that to really step into this new identity, new foundation of who I was. Whoa, did you struggle with that all? you know, shifting your identity from like, okay, I want to hit this 30 under 30 fame, fortune, money. That's what I want to shift to, to now your identity is, is in something so much bigger. It's, it's in just adding value. Like, did you struggle with shifting that identity? And like, was it scary? And how did you go about making that shift? Yeah. I mean, it was, like I said, it took a few years because, because I got my own way. It shouldn't take that long to, to shift an identity. And some people would, would beg to differ on that. But for me, if you want to change, you can change really at any yeah. point. And the real problem was I got in my own way and it was a lack of humility. I thought that the mm-hmm. foundation I built on was great because I did it. And it lacked humility for me to be like, I, could, I can change. It was like, no, I don't want to change. And I think that's actually sure. a, a lesson, not just for myself, but people who are listening today. Probably the biggest problem that many of us have in businesses or just overall success in life, like looking at holistically is the fact that we get our own way and we we lack humility in, in many different ways. Yeah. And I, I find that that's one of the greatest characteristics of a leader, which I believe if you want to live a successful life, you're going to have influence, you're going to be a leader and it takes that yep. humility. But that's that's probably for me, it was like one of the toughest things to ever come. And still this day, here I am. It's, I don't know how many years later, lots of years later. And, and <laughs> I, I have that written down every single day. Like one of the things I ask myself is, Alex, were you a person of value or a person of profit? 
Did you walk in humility? Mm. Those are things that I ask myself every single day. So I'm still like redefining who I am based off these things. But when you do that, you're yeah. going to go a lot further in life just, just from that one thing alone. Wow, dude, that's, that is a powerful question to ask yourself every day, man. Profit or humility? Woo. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a way to start your day right there. It, yeah, man. it definitely that is. is. A way, that is a way to start your day. Um, kind of going back to your, you know, real estate failure that you had, mm -hmm. how did that then set the tone for like the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Like how did failing there help then set you up for where you are now? Yeah, actually, it kind of ended up being an opportunity, which back then I couldn't see I, I had a, a victim mentality, because I was thinking like, Oh, I'm gonna have to find something different. And and in a smart way, this was smart on my, you know, lack of humility. Now I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back. It was a good <laughs> idea what I had. I was like, okay, the economy got destroyed. What was an industry that didn't get hit so heavy? Uh -huh. And so I started looking around. It turns out aerospace was still doing quite well. Okay. It didn't really get affected by that. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to jump into that industry. So uh, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and it's, it's a bit of a, there's a military town. There's also some aerospace companies here. So I jumped in and um, through, I had a, like a family connection at one company. I went in, I got, uh, got interviewed, ended up getting the job. Uh, however, um, I really didn't have any experience. So sure. I got the job and it was a part-time receiving clerk position, which at the part-time level basically mean I broke down boxes and took out the trash for people. It's a nice title and, though, man. It's a, it's a nice title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, it was interesting though. It was one of those things where, again, this is where I had to learn to, to be humble once again. Mm -hmm. I had to to realize, okay, I'm not the guy who's driving around in a fancy sports car looking at properties anymore or leading a team that's that's editing virtual tours of homes. I'm now a guy who is taking out the trash and breaking down boxes. And I had to be okay with that internally. Wow. And the quicker I was able to get over my own stuff, like I was able to get over that myself, I was able to actually start excelling in aerospace really quick because I got in my way and I started asking questions. Hmm. I realized some of the labels that come in the box and be like, hey, why does this one say non-corrosive. Like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, it's hazmat. Oh, why is it hazmat? Oh, it's a battery. Oh, what kind of batteries do you deal with? And just asking questions like that. Sure. And when I'm taking up the trash, I'd be going around to a couple different departments. I just ask people, hey, what is it that you do here? Like, what is that job like? Like, um, is there something I can do to, to make it any better? Mm -hmm. And uh, fast forward many years, um, I, I ended up, I actually just ended a 15 year career in, in the aerospace industry. Wow. And um, yeah, it was awesome. But I, I went from that part-time receiving clerk and worked my way up to a senior uh, management level, which is the highest level. They don't have a C-suite. So they just do uh, CEO and then uh, divisional director. So I was one of those divisional directors, one of five in the company. And it went to a public company during that time. So oh I mean, it went from a, a pretty pretty small company to a being part of a very large multi-billion dollar organization. And I uh, got to work my way up through those years, but it all began when I got over myself and started actually being humble and being hungry to learn once again, instead of feeling entitled, like I deserved more than I had. Mm -hmm. and I've just done that every step of the way. And it's really helped me a lot. Dude, talk about going from like high to low and being forced to humble yourself, mm -hmm. being forced, man, because no one, no one was going to get you out of there. Like it was, it was all you, right. dude. It was all you. And so you just had to work yourself through that. That's, that's so interesting, man. Yeah, John, I'll, I'll add something there too, along with this. Here's the thing, like, I'm so thankful all this happened for a long time, even years later, after I kind of got the right mindset, I was still like, oh, if that didn't happen, if I just didn't have that one property, I'd be like, way further along today in so many ways. And I could, I could think that for the rest of my life and let it hold me back. But here's the thing, I have to let the past be the past. Uh -huh. I made a decision, I need to stand by it. But now I can look back and I get to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. 
that I now have like this 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 testimony to share, if you will, about coming over coming uh, overcoming some form of failure that really just cripples most people. I can actually talk about that because it happened to me. Mm -hmm. So now it's something I'm thankful for. It's part of my journey. Mm -hmm. I am where I am today because of the decisions that I made. And often these failures you have along the way are what really shape you more than the successes over time. So I'm thankful for the times of not being on a mountaintop, but being down in the valley. Yep. And that's really what these times were. But uh, I couldn't be happier about where I am today. Although if things would have gone a little bit different, I could have been in a much, you know, air quotes here, better place sure. financially at the very least. Sure. But I couldn't be happier about the direction things took. And then again, getting this opportunity to share with people that the failures are going to come and it's up to us how we respond to them. So you said it it took a few years, right? Where you were always like, mm -hmm. you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, man, if, if, right. If, if I just, did this, right. if I just did this, right. So right now listening, I'm sure there is at least one person who the having that exact same conversation in their head, right. Whether it's real estate, whether it's, you know, being a personal trainer, whether it's trying to open up their own mm -hmm. gym, whether it's just being a, you know, salesman at a corporate job, right? Whatever it is, in the back of their heads, they're like, man, if only, right? If only I would have done this differently. And like, that's kind of holding them back. So talk through, dude, what that conversation was like in your head to get over that to so that you can ultimately use that failure rather than have that failure use you. Yeah, no, that's good, man. This is interesting because for many of us, we think that kind of talking it out like that will will help, but we're just repeating a vicious cycle. The truth is what really ended up helping was the day I finally got alone with a notepad, like no phone, no people around. I got somewhere that I felt inspired by. So for me, that's I, I live close to the ocean here in Florida. So I got near the ocean. Yeah. That, that's kind of my spot. And I took a notepad and and a pen and that was it mm. and i sat down and actually processed all this instead of saying oh, if only this if only that and oh man i can't believe this happened and i'm still like in shock from it years later yeah when i finally sat down and said okay here's what happened let me write it all down what what in what way would the best version of me respond to this situation huh. and i really asked myself that question and said okay alex like it happened we have to let it go and actually letting myself process all the way through it helped so much and I think that many of us, we don't take the time to actually process things. And a lot of that comes from like a, a reflection time. And ever since that time, when I did that, it was the first time I'd ever sat down to really reflect my life, where it had come from, where it was going. And ever since then, it's become a, a regular practice for me. I now do daily reflection. Hmm. Uh, there's there's somebody I really respect, um, uh, Brendan Bruchard. Oh, and he says those who are huge fans of Brendan. Awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I heard him say this one time that those who reflect the most have the most clarity and those with the most clarity win. Hmm. And it just reinforced this point that, you know what, I need to be reflecting on a regular basis. And I'm not, I'm not recommending to the listeners today, John, that they need to, to do what I'm doing and do this every day, but yeah. at least once a month, once a week, sure. or if you're having trouble processing something where you're saying, I'm just not getting the clients. If only this, if only this sit down and reflect and say, okay, why am I here? Yeah. Instead of getting kind of this victim mentality of like, oh, this just isn't happening. Say, okay, it's not, but what could change that would maybe lead me more to that? Mm -hmm. Or what could I do a little bit differently? Or, or how can I respond better to the situation I'm in today? Yeah. And when we really do that through reflection, I'll tell you what, that brings a sense of clarity. And when you have that clarity, I find that people begin winning a lot more regularly. Awesome, man. Dude, but what stuck out to me, and you just like, you glossed over it so quickly, dude. And and I think this, <laughs> like, this, this is a testament of who you are. You said, the best version of me. What would the best mm -hmm. version of me do? And so to me, what that says, Alex, that says that you are thinking 
10, 15, 20 years down the road, right? And that person, that is the absolute best version of yourself. What would that person do? What would the best version of me do? The most loving, the most um, compassionate, the, the most kind, you know, to other people that also, but also to myself, what would that person do? And dude, that's so interesting that, that you had that conversation with yourself because I don't think a lot of people ask themselves that. They don't say, what's the best version of me do in this situation? They almost say like, hey, what would I do differently in this situation? But it's totally different. It's totally different saying, what would I do differently versus the best version of me would do differently. And I, I think that like you quickly glossed over that, man. But dude, yeah. I, I want to point that out because that's so... I think that that is really, really key, dude. I'm glad you you brought that up actually because there, there's more that I can say on that for sure. And this is kind of a little bit of, of a hack I've learned on how to do this well. A lot of us have trouble forecasting, right? Thinking ahead. So like when you think the best version of me, what would they do? That's really tough for people. So I've heard some people take it the opposite way and they say, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Mm -hmm. So they'll kind of talk about, hey, what do you want me to say? Like, like, what do you want people to say about you? Like when they're talking at your funeral, which I think is maybe even a little too far for many of us. So I come up with two different things that I do on a regular basis. One is I ask myself, what would Alex in 10 years from now say to Alex today? If he could walk on the, if he could knock my front door and I was there and answered, what would he tell me right now? So for me, that's 42 year old version of, of Alex. I'm the 32 year old version. What advice would he give me today? And when you do that more from a reflecting standpoint of saying, what would the best version of me do? Often think of yourself just a little bit in the future. Yeah. Another way I do that is um, my next milestone birthday. I, I, I think in like fives. So 35, it's three years from now is my next milestone birthday. So I ask myself, what do I want people to say if, if I have a big party for that birthday? Let's mm -hmm. just say it was huge and I had people giving toast. What would they say based off the way I live today in that toast about me? Yeah. And when I really think about that, like, you know, you don't want to set up to like to make yourself again to, to avoid pride. But I want people to know that, oh, Alex, he serves all of us so well. Mm -hmm. He truly is a friend. He's been able to create jobs for people. He's been able to do these things. I want people to say those type of things about me. So for me, instead of trying to think futuristically of what would the best version of myself do, I bring it from forward thinking. Okay. Yeah. The 40 year old version of Alex is, is a great or 42 year old version of Alex is a great guy. What would he say to me today? And I think that that really helps people process it a lot. And then again, it goes back to doing that during your reflection time, get a piece of paper and, and get a pen and write that out. And I think that that's a really great way to be able to start answering that question that you pose. And I'm glad you circled back around to that one. Yeah, man. And that, that makes it really personable too. It makes it very yeah, it personal to be like, okay, 10 years from now, me, dude, that 10 years, it's going to fly by, like fly by. Cause I mean, if <laughs> like, dude, I think 10 years ago, me, let's see, I'm 29 now. So 10 years ago, me 19, Ugh, dude, if I could go back and talk to 19 year old me, I'd probably punch him right. You'd in the punch him first. Punch him right yes, you face, would. Dude. I'd be like, yes, wake, would. wake up you tool, dude. Like, like you are a certified tool, man. Like get out of your own head, get out of your own way. Um, but no, like that makes it so easy because now I can look ahead and be like, okay, 39 year old me, one that's going to come super mm -hmm. fast, but two, okay, I can picture that my, my kids are going to be X years old. I'm going to be X years old. My, you know, my wife and I, were going to be married for X amount of years. Like you can, mm -hmm. you can build your life around that 10 year old, you know, 10 year down the road you. And so making that right. personable, man, is again, is key, dude, which, which I love that you do. Yeah, it's it's been a really healthy practice for me. It's one I, I do regularly, and I encourage others to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's helpful in the days as well to kind of bring it back to failure just for a moment. It's helpful in those days when you're feeling down about something that you did that didn't work. Yep. 
because you think of yourself in the future, again, the best version of you, you know, that person is succeeding. So what would they say to me today? They probably pat me on the back and be like, Hey, it's okay. Yeah. Like get up, That's keep right. on going, keep on moving. That's right. Um, there's a quote that I love to use that goes along with this. And I write this, I have this one written down on my whiteboard, uh, but today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can do what others can't, which mm. is a Jerry Rice quote. Mm. Uh, one of the greatest NFL receivers of all time. Today, he's willing to do the things others won't, which often is failing right. in some way or, right. or trying something that might not work. Uh, but if he does those things continuously in the future, he's going to have what others can't have. And that's something I've always reminded myself of that. You know what? If I'm looking at my future, the best version of me, I've got to be willing to do some things other people won't do today. So that quote, do what others won't. Right. And you said it. Mm -hmm. Most people won't even put themselves in positions to fail mm -hmm. for fear of blank. So right. should we then this this question might sound strange, but should we then be pursuing failure? You know, John Maxwell talks about uh, he's he's failed more times than he'll ever succeed. He's written full books on failure. Failing forward is something he talks about. And so it is something to keep your eye on and you can't avoid it. Uh, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Like failure is part of it. If you're if you're moving, you're going to fail at some point. Yeah. And there's actually somebody who I really admire, Jeff Goins, and he wrote that failure is not an option; it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not an option; it's an opportunity. And that. so for us, it's a matter of seizing that moment. Oh man, it's, it's so good. He he's so wise by saying that. But for us, like looking at those two great authors and, and speakers. When we look at the things that they're saying, we have to realize that, you know what, it really is something that we're able to overcome and it's it's required along the way in the process. Yeah. Someone else that we all know, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, right? Yep. Big name, yep. big guy. I read his letter to shareholders every year. So he does like that letter to everyone who's involved. And I find it very interesting some of the things he writes about in there, because again, these are the people that are deciding the future of the company. Like they are people that he owes money to, like all those people, right? Yeah. You'd want to put like your best foot forward. Uh -huh. I'll never forget the 2019... Uh, letter to shareholders that he did. And he said that if we want to continue to grow this organization, continue to move forward, we have to expect and be willing to make multiple multi-billion dollar mistakes. Like literally, what? could you imagine the guy who, who the guy who you're paying money to, the person who's behind this, he, you're sending him a letter and you're like, hey, I'm going to make a few multi-billion dollar mistakes. What? I think I'd be like, whoa, excuse me, play it safe, dude. We're making right. a lot of money, right? right? But he's saying if we that's the cost of becoming greater continuously and doing better and better. If they compared themselves just to everybody, they've already won, but they're comparing themselves to themselves and they have what they call a day one mentality, which means, hey, we make mistakes like it's day one. We grow like it's day one. And that's why they've continuously just excelled and continue to, to do well. Yeah. And I know I just shared a lot with you, man. This is stuff I've learned over the years and I've used in my own businesses now uh -huh. that have led me to the success I have. I failed a lot of times, but I do it with a smile on my face because I know, hey, that didn't work, but I mean, something else is going to work. I'm getting a lot closer to it now. Right, right. It, it really is an opportunity. It like, yeah. And like, it really is that key to unlock your next success. Like if you don't fail, you're not going to learn. You're not going to figure out what you need in order to have that business succeed in order to start your own business, in order to open up that gym, in order to sell 50 houses in a year, whatever it is, like those failures are so crucial and we need to be able to shift our lens. And so again, my my question to you, Alex, because you have this, you have this really strong mindset now, man. And I know that was built through a lot of adversities and failures and ups and downs. And that was built through a whole journey. But how do we do that every single day to make sure our lens is, this is opportunity. This failure is opportunity. Because when you're in the midst of it, 
it doesn't feel like opportunity, man. Failure sucks mm-hmm. and it hurts. And you know that. And I know that. And oh, the listeners know that. It hurts. It sucks. We don't want to go through it. So how can we approach failure with the mindset of, hey, this is opportunity for me? Yeah, the first thing we have to do is shift away from a from a mindset of scarcity and move into a mindset of abundance. If we think that there's not enough to go around or this is our only option or we just follow every statistic ever, if you do one thing that fails, you can't call yourself a failure and say, well, that's it. I'm just going to fail again like everyone else. You know, you, you yeah. can't do those things. You have to be having this mindset of abundance saying, oh, that didn't work. Cool. Like, or I, or I hated that, right? Yeah. You could have something that kind of works. Like at one point I had something that was actually on paper succeeding, but I absolutely hated it. Huh. I was doing some some web design and kind of had like a team built around it. I thought it was something I wanted to do. And as soon as I got into it, like less than three months later, I was like, I absolutely hate this. Interesting. So I stopped. Yeah. Therefore, it it failed, quote unquote, right? Because I didn't want to pursue it. Uh-huh. But I did it with a smile on my face. I was like, oh, thank God. I didn't have to keep on doing that, right? <laughs> like that's the permission we can give ourselves. And the abundance mindset was, well, now I got to do this for the next 20 years because it's tough out there. You know, like yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't get that mindset. Instead, I said, no, I don't like this. This doesn't fulfill me in any way. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm actually serving anybody with it. And I'm not saying that you can't serve people in that way. It's a great industry if you have the right mind for it. I just didn't. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to drop that and keep on going. And you know, it's funny, man, I was looking for more on this, this, this exact question. I was talking to, um, to Seth Godin recently oh, that and I asked him like, man, he's absolutely a legend. And I was hoping he'd give me some just great wisdom on this and make me feel so good after (laughs) I was done talking to him. He didn't do that. And he he said the cost of doing your most creative work, the work that you were made to do does not promise anything for you in return. And I was like, oh, you're like, that feels terrible. Come on, man. That's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the point in saying that was that it's a shame on you if you don't still pursue that greatest work. Mm. And at some point, you'll find the people that are most interested in, in, in that. It might be a small group of people that are willing to pay for it and willing to become your tribe, but it's worth doing every single time. If you're not pursuing that creative work and you're not having this mindset of abundance, you're going to get stuck forever. And you don't want to just be that for your whole life. And um, so it, it meant a lot to me and also was kind of refreshing. I was like, oh, they're really there isn't some like key or hack to this. It's just, you have to develop this mindset of abundance. Yeah. And that's that's your only option, right? Is that you have to decide to believe that, you know what, there is more out here for me. Uh-huh. What first comes to my mind with that mindset of abundance is when you're in a dark room with say a hundred other people in a dark room and you're the only one with a candle, only that one small little space that you're around is lit, right? And you could be like, no, I'm going to hold this to myself and I'm going to look around the room and I'm going to get my way out of this. Or what you could do, all those hundred other people, they also have candles. You could light their candles and all of a sudden you're all working together as a team to get yourself Mm -hmm. out of that room, right? And so just because you light someone else's candle, that doesn't automatically mean that your candle is any less bright, right? You're just, you're just, you're using the people around you and and you're bringing those people around you together with one goal. Like that was the first thing that came to mind when you said the abundance mindset, man. Yeah. With abundance, man, again, it being just such an important thing. I think the best thing to think about is how can I be a connector? How can I build a network for other people? How can I serve other people? It goes back to what I learned in my early 20s. What really changed my identity was, uh, first off, it was having a foundation built on Jesus Christ. Like He was the ultimate servant in my mind. And I just wanted to be more like that. And ever since I've done that, I've connected with people Mm. and done my best to actually serve them in some way. And actually, 
remember a really interesting example from about my mid-20s with a competitor in the aerospace industry, which was super competitive. I didn't have a solution for a customer and there was no way I could get it. And the option was to tell him, hey, I'm sorry, I hope you can find it somewhere else. I knew one of my most direct, most competitive companies like against me had the exact solution they were looking for. Uh-huh. So I introduced them, which was like a huge no-no in the industry. Like, <laughs> how, why would you do that? But there was no way I could do anything about it. Yeah. If, if I thought I could have actually done something, I obviously would have done my job. I wasn't just pushing work off. Right. There was nothing I could do. But I knew that this guy had the answer. And there was someone on the other line who needed to be – like he needed help. Mm. And he was desperate. And I introduced him to that competitor. And I, like, I thought about it for a while. I was like, that was probably like – I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I should have done that. Like I was in sales that time. Is that going to hurt my sales in the future? Yeah. Believe it or not, it was like a full year later, the same thing happened on the other side where that competitor CC'd me in an email to somebody saying, Hey, I don't have the solution, but this guy does. And it ended up being a massive, massive deal, far more than the other side. Uh-huh. But he was willing to introduce me to somebody that he couldn't help because I was willing to do it for them. Wow. That again is an abundance mindset. Instead of saying, Oh, there's not enough to go around. There's no way to you know, I can't tell anybody else. I got to hold on to everything that's mine. Yeah. Instead, I just developed that and said, you know what? Let me build a network. Let me let me connect people if I can. Let me serve people in that way. And often that opens more doors than anything else. And honestly, all of my entrepreneurship style businesses since then and what I'm doing today has all opened from just the idea of connecting other people and having that attitude of abundance. Yeah. And, and it's it's about adding value to people, which I love, dude. Yes. Like it's just, it's humanizing right? It's humanizing people and just saying, okay, that person, what does that person need? That person needs X. I don't have X. Let's make sure that person can get X. And, and I love that. dude. So you mentioned, um, you know, first and foremost was putting your value, right? And being grounded through your faith in Jesus Christ, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that was number one for you. 100%. So how does your faith lead you and guide you in times of failure? Yeah. So um, faith is believing what you cannot see, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the foundation of it. Like I have to believe what I can't see. And I think a lot of people and not to pick on Christians, cause that's, that's what I am technically. Right. Um, yeah. We have this idea that if we follow Jesus, that everything's going to be great. And that stuff's just going to kind of go away, which if you read the Bible, I've read the whole thing cover to cover multiple times. That's something I know you're supposed to do, right? (laughs) So I I, I read it and there's nothing in there promising anything great going to happen. I'm not trying to tell people like, hey, avoid this. It's tough. Yeah. But there's nothing that promises anything great is going to happen. And actually, uh, just to, to make it more general, whatever people believe in, it's the same in most religions. Like most, nothing really promises, hey, if you do this, you're going to get this. Like that's not really a thing anywhere. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we just developed this mindset because it's like, okay, we're used to, we're so used to this society we live in today, the world we live in of being an instant gratification. If I do this, I get this. And that can be, that can be good for me. Right. But I think when it comes to our faith, it has to be much deeper rooted than that. So for me, I don't connect my level of success to, to my faith. That's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. To me, it is about picking something that I, that I believed in, which was Jesus and to serve the way he did yeah. and just to do my best to model the way he did. So my identity completely today, I can tell you with, with confidence where it's built is to first love God and then love people. Mm-hmm. And if I love people, I'm going to serve them. And I've based it all off of that. Now, whether it leads to failures, to successes, that's fine. That's the journey along the way. But because my foundation is built on, on love and service, whatever happens, happens along the way. And I'll tell you what, if you're serving people, it's really hard to fail. Like, yeah, you might have some people be like, hey, leave me alone. And that's fine. But like, I don't look at that as failure, but it's not like, oh, I was serving this person and it just all went wrong and everything crashed and burned. Like I very rarely hear of that happening. You know, it's more so if you're serving somebody truly with your whole heart, 
it's going to lead to, yes, some ups and downs, of course. But when you have that mindset, there's not really a success or failure. It's just a, hey, am I doing well today to serve the people that I'm crossing paths with? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It totally shifts your mindset. It totally shifts the lens through which what you're doing on the day to day. You're not 100%. Yeah. You're not worried about that end, end result. Like who cares what the end result will be? Because I'm so focused right now on just okay, that next person that I run into the, you know, in the street, in Starbucks, in wherever, how can I best serve you? How can I best love you? Even if it's just saying, hey, and asking how their day was and giving them a smile, that might be what all that people need, man. But like having that mindset of, I just want to serve, I just want to serve, it really does take mm-hmm. that end result out, man. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. It actually led to the the business that I'm in now it started by just trying to serve people and asking that very question you just mentioned. When I was talking to people, kind of doing some research for this, I'd ask them, hey, how's how's podcasting going for you? Because that's that's the space that I'm in. Yeah. And someone would be like, oh, it's going really good. And then I just asked the same question again. So how's it like really going? And they're like, oh, well, I'm really struggling to find like guests right now. Mm. Like I, I can't find the right people to come on the show. Like people started saying things like that. And so what I did is I just built a business off the solution to people's problems they were, at. They were mentioning to me. Uh-huh. People were, were opening up to me because I was really interested. How can I help you? Yeah. And I was able to build businesses off of it. And I, I think that that's a great framework for building a business. So people listening today, if you're like, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, start really asking your ideal customer, someone that you're most interested in helping, that you're passionate about, ask them what they're really struggling with and create a solution for that. And I think that's a great way to build a service-based business. And for me, once again, that's what my identity is built on. And it gets me away from the success or failure type of thing. It's just how many people can I serve today with this same problem that that we're all having Hmm. uh, in the podcasting space? Because that's my space. But it's been something that's really helped shift my mindset and helped me take what I'm doing to even another level. Like, I love when something doesn't work, like I said, because it just means maybe I'm focused on the wrong thing or maybe it means it needs a little bit of a tweak or something like that. Yeah. And now today I'm thankful for that. And as long as I remember that I'm doing this for other people, not for myself, like I said earlier, I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. As long as I'm doing that, man, things go really, they go really well for me, man, from a mental state. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you're not focused on the end result. Again, you're not focused on succeeding, on failing, on winning, whatever. You're just like, the end result is going to take care of itself. I'm just going to focus right Mm -hmm. here on the person that's right in front of me. And I think that's that's crucial, brother. I've got a couple of last questions for you, dude. Uh, Sure. This has been a lot of fun, Alex. Oh, for sure. You've been married for eight years, right? Eight, nine years? Yes, I have. Yep. Eight. Yep. You guys are partners in the uh, business that you guys have now, right? Correct. Yes. Awesome, man. So what are those conversations like between the two of you guys? And, and how do you manage the marriage versus business relationship component? Yeah, man, it's it's interesting. As soon as you get an extra 100% of people into the equation, which means you plus one, yeah. the whole dynamic changes, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Um, it, it, really, it really changed a lot. We both have goals and things like that that we've set for the company or, or tasks, even things that we have to do. And sometimes they don't work. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of us coming back together and chatting about it. And and her and I both have very similar mindsets when it comes to entrepreneurship and running businesses. And so we've just been able to really do a good job to synergize and to know each other's strengths. Like at first, we really, I'll just be real. We like failed a lot because I was like, you're going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. Turns out she was bad at some of those things. And I was even worse (laughs) at some of these things. So it's just kind of like figuring it out and remembering at the end of the day, um, this is great marriage advice and relationship advice in general. Uh, Whenever you have an argument, a disagreement, whenever you have something go wrong in a business, it seems to be a failure. 
go for the aim for the solution not to be right mm -hmm. or to to set a new standard just aim for a solution together mm -hmm. so when you can actually find that solution and figure out okay i'll do this instead of you or we're just going to drop this all together because it's not bringing a lot, of, a lot of fruit anyway yeah it can really help things out so it's a matter of really sitting down setting time to actually be intentional about okay where are we heading what's going on how can we refocus on the goal once again uh -huh. um it's been a really fun dynamic not it's not for everybody working with your spouse but for us it's been absolutely a blast man we love it i was just about to ask you that dude like what's it been like building a business with your spouse one and then two because you're always with your spouse your business partner how do you even separate work versus okay let's shut off work and let's just be together. No, because you will fail if you don't do this. That's that's how we connected, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've learned this one the hard way, uh, doing this for now, uh, I don't know how long, for a while now. Uh, but it, it's taken a little bit of time. But we, what I've had to learn is you have to set one office hours, which we're always retweaking. But that means times when we're both working, but we can't just interrupt. Mm -hmm. So like right now, she's not going to walk in the room where I'm doing it. She's, she's in the other room working. Yeah. She's not going to barge in here and be like, hey, I got a question. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen right now. This one's a more obvious situation, but the times when I'm in deep focus, like working on something, trying to come up with that solution that's going to help uh, our customers in, in a great way, our members, she doesn't come and interrupt. We have some office hours. We're like, okay, if we have questions from one till two, Monday through Friday, like that's when we can walk in. We're kind of doing administrative work so we can chat okay. and kind of collaborate. So that's one thing that's really helpful is to do that from an office standpoint, because then you, you it avoids arguments. We're just like, hey, you're not listening to me. Like we, we have to talk, right. you know, like you actually set that expectation. But then- the other thing is making having a, a hard stop for work. And when you're in a startup phase like we've been, sometimes that's tough to do. Right. But other times it's just really important to set the expectation saying, hey, Thursday night, like we're going to hang out. We're going to go out. We're going to go do something. or We're just going to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep the laptops in the office. We're going to shut it down. Having that clear stop, that endpoint, and making sure that you prioritize the relationship, not just the business is really important. Crucial. Even if you both love being in the business, yeah. you still have to do it because at the end of the day, you're still in my situation, I'm still married to that individual. Yes, I'm my business partner as well, but I also have to 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 also pursue the marriage, not just the business side of it. Right. Tough. But I love it, man. I love it. Because if you don't do that, year two, three years down the road, all you're gonna see them as the business partner and you're gonna lose that that marriage, that spouse piece. And that spouse piece is what we're called yep. most important, number one. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, uh, where can people follow you, get a hold of you, uh, listen to your podcast, all that good stuff. Yeah. Real quick before I do that. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on again. I'm a listener. I really enjoyed a recent episode. I want to recommend to people. It was called use your setbacks for a comeback. Mm. It was with Rory Douglas and you re recently interviewed him. Great episode. I want to encourage your listeners to, if they haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that. Mm. You're doing some great stuff here, man. So I would just tell your listeners, hang here with John. He's doing some good stuff with studying failure. Uh, if you really want to find me, you can just go to creatingabrand.com. Everything I do will be there. That's more of like the personal side of what I do in the coaching side. You'll be able to find Podmatch, which is my company of reference a few times. But yep. everything is there. Social links will all be on there. But again, John, this is the right place for people to be, man. I really appreciate the value you're adding to the world. Well, thank you, man. And I just want to give a shout out to Podmatch. I've found a couple of guests on there. Oh, great. Good, man. Which has been really cool. I was actually just on there earlier today, kind of uh, perusing through, trying to find some other guests and trying to even, even find some other podcasts that I can be a part of. So 
it's really cool what you and your wife are doing uh, are doing with Podmath, man. And um, I'm I'm excited, dude, for the future. I'm excited for creating a brand. I'm I'm excited for what you have going on down there, dude. You're you're just so focused on giving value, man. And I think that's it, man. I think when you when you do that first and foremost, sky's the limit, brother. I mean, the opportunities are just going to be endless. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. I've got uh, I've got one last question for you, brother. You've got uh, you've got sixty seconds. You've got one minute to look into a camera, look into a phone, and you get to give one minute of wisdom on failure and on success. And and this message gets sent directly to people all over the world, no matter where they're located, no matter the language, because we all know that phone dings, that phone goes off, and we pick it up immediately. Like No matter what we're doing, we pick it up. So what's that one minute? that you are sharing with people on failure and success? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we have to do is get out of our own way when it comes to failing and to succeeding. That many times it's us that's holding ourselves back. And it's because we live in a world that offers a defeated mindset or one that says there's always more, there's always better. And we feel like we never actually own up to that or we can never actually be that. Growing up as a kid, I actually had some learning disabilities that held me back from reading and writing for years. And now today I'm actually a known public speaker in many places. And I've been a blogger and, and been nationally ranked with that. And it's been really interesting for me. I don't say that to, to talk about myself, but really you can overcome any of these things. So I think the advice, John, that I want to give to people, and this is something I've, I've said to myself a lot. It's this word, these words right here. You have greatness and creativity within yourself. Mm-hmm. You have greatness and creativity within yourself. And what that means to me is that the world cannot hold you back all of us have greatness. We can do something amazing. I believe that we're all created beings. And as such, we are made to create ourselves. So I want to encourage people, get out there and start creating what you have been dreaming of. And I believe you'll leave an impact on the world. I love it, man. That's that's powerful. Greatness and creativity inside yourself. Dude, I think that's really cool how you shared that personal story, man, of, of growing up. Because it's really cool to be able to look back and see where you've come and celebrate that success, man. So... Alex, thanks so much for coming on today, brother. You gave so much value. I appreciate you so much and uh, and what you're doing, brother. Yeah, thanks again for having me, John. Like I said in the introduction, guys, this episode was personally one of my favorites because of the amount of value that Alex gives. I love that Alex said he's thankful for his failures. He's thankful that his real estate business failed because... Without that failure, he would not have been able to join us on this episode today and share the amount of value that he shared. I love when he said, I love when something doesn't work. It just simply means either I'm chasing after the wrong thing or I just need to make a little tweak here. And man, that just hit home for me. That just stuck out so much to me. And it's been something that has been on my mind constantly. I love the reflection hacks that he gave about picturing yourself 10 years down the road and what does your best self look like 10 years down the road. I also really loved how he talked about how to change your lens to see failure as opportunity. Simply trying to change your mind to have an abundance mindset, meaning that everything is in abundance for you. I absolutely love that. But probably my favorite quote from the whole entire episode was when he said, when you're serving people, it's really hard to fail. I love that, guys. Life is all about people. Loving people, serving people, and adding value to people's life. 
If you took value from this episode, be sure to tag both Alex and myself on Instagram by taking a screenshot of the episode and letting us know what you did take away. And then be sure to head over to Apple or Spotify or even Audible and subscribe to Studying Failure as each and every week, we just focus on adding value to help elevate your life by seeing your failures as opportunities and helping you use your failures to achieve and reach the success that you desire. So guys, until next time, try to shift your mindset to an abundance mindset. Get out of your own way and look to serve someone today.